Pray with me, please. Give me Jesus, Lord. Give me Jesus. You can have all the rest. Just give me Jesus. Amen. On September the 8th, 1968, I preached my first sermon in my first church, the First Presbyterian Church of Kilgore, Texas. Ever since, on the second Sunday in September every year, I always do two things. I always have the congregation sing the hymn with which that first worship service began. Glorious things of thee are spoken. And I always preach a sermon which is a bit more personal in nature. Today, I continue that personal tradition. Since that first sermon in September of 1968, I have preached 1,500 sermons, including the 80 sermons which I have preached from this pulpit. Now, certainly it is my hope that 1,500 sermons later, some things have changed. I hope that I've grown deeper and stronger in my faith. I hope that I have honed and refined and developed my spiritual gifts. I certainly hope that I'm a better preacher now than I was then. And yet, after all of those sermons and through all of those years, there is one thing which has not changed. When I stepped into the pulpit of the First Presbyterian Church of Kilgore, Texas, for the very first time, I carried in my heart a single verse, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Now, 1,500 sermons later, that has not changed. I step into this pulpit today carrying that same verse in my heart. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Paul wrote, We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. We preach. I think it is no accident that the Gospels tell us that Jesus came preaching. Those are the words the gospel actually uses. Jesus came preaching. Preaching was the center of his entire earthly ministry. And from that center, there radiated both his wise teachings and his healing miracles. In fact, Jesus so fully trained his first followers in the centrality of preaching, that the launch of the church at Pentecost actually was triggered by explosive preaching. Long before the church had any organizations or institutions, 
The church lived and grew and spread by the sheer power of its preaching. I think it could even be said that the seeds of conversion were planted in Paul himself, primarily by the fearless preaching of an early Christian hero named Stephen. If you read through Paul's letters, you quickly come to realize that while Paul regarded preaching as precarious and difficult and sometimes foolish and frequently scandalous business in which to engage, nevertheless, preaching was absolutely central to Paul's life and work in Christ. He said so clearly, with no apology whatever, I preach Christ and Him crucified. You see, right from the very beginning, the preaching of God's Word has been the heart and soul of the church's life. That has continued through the unfolding history of the ages. In fact, the great writer Herman Melville, in his classic novel, Moby Dick, actually employed the image of a ship declaring that the pulpit was not only the prow of the church, but the pulpit was the prow of all civilization as well. That's a staggering claim. And yet for many, many generations, people regarded that as being absolutely true. Ah, but not so today. Today it is so easy to find those who quickly say that the golden age of preaching lies in the past. Today, sad to say, many seminaries actually de-emphasize preaching in the training of ministers. Today, many ministers do not build their ministries around the centrality of preaching. Instead, the focus is on things like marketing techniques and advertising skills and political adroitness and social action and relationship building and a whole host of other inferior substitutes. As a result, far too many ministers today deliver on Sundays what I choose to call Saturday night specials. Ha! You know what a Saturday night special is? A minister sits down on Saturday night and strings out a few artificially alliterated phrases, folds in a morality piece from Reader's Digest, spins a joke they heard at the Rotary Club, drops in a dollop of scripture, takes a great swipe at current events, and then concludes it all with a touching story from guideposts. That's a Saturday night special. Now let me tell you, dear friends, that is trivial preaching. And trivial preaching 
trivializes the whole ministry of the church. What's worse, trivial preaching trivializes the Word of Almighty God. I, for one, stand against that tide. Now, 1,500 sermons later, it is my unwavering conviction that preaching, more than any other ministerial activity, sets and shapes the tone of the whole life of the church. Now, 1,500 sermons later, it is my unwavering conviction that preaching, more than any other ministerial activity, is used by God to transform human life and to transform human society. The great poet James Russell Lowell sat for a long time under the preaching of Ralph Waldo Emerson. And later on, Lowell wrote eloquently of that experience. Among other things, he had this to say. We used to listen to that thrilling voice of his so charged with subtle meaning and subtle music like shipwrecked men on a raft listening to the hail of a ship that comes to the rescue. Why? Because he put us in communication with a higher power. He gave us ravishing glimpses of the ideal. He set us free from the shackles of our own shortcomings. In short, he brought us life. That, I think, is what it means to say we preach. We preach not ourselves. If you stop to think about it, that seems a rather strange thing for someone like Paul to say. I mean, after all, there was so much about his life that he could preach. But you see, Paul steadfastly refused to do that. Paul knew that the focus of the gospel is God coming to us in Jesus Christ. And therefore, the focus of preaching could never be any other person, even himself. Paul knew that much of what he had done in his life, remarkable though all of it had been, that none of it was worthy of being preached to God's people. Paul knew that true preaching exists in spite of, not because of, its preachers. It was actually President Woodrow Wilson, himself the son of a Presbyterian minister, who once observed the proof of the divinity of the gospel is all of the preaching it has survived. Oh, Paul would have said amen to that. 
Paul knew that the subject matter of the gospel is God. The plot line is the story of Jesus. The validation is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so preaching is not simply a recital of the things that we are doing for God. Rather, it is the declaration of what God has done for us. Preaching is not a verbal essay about the Lord. Rather, preaching is quite literally the power of the Lord at work for human redemption. Preaching is not an informed opinion about spiritual matters. Rather, it is nothing less than God's saving act in Jesus Christ reenacted right here and right now. A personal word, please, at this point. I know that this pulpit is very visible. And I know that any preacher who stands in this pulpit also is quite visible. But you see, I know what this pulpit truly is. And even though when I stand here, I cannot escape the public eye, nevertheless, I am not here to preach myself. I do not wish to have curious people to come here in search of some pulpit personality. I do most earnestly wish to have needy people come here in search of their Savior. Therefore, I do not preach my preferences or my priorities. Rather, I preach a word which Jeremiah says is fire in my mouth. I preach a word that Revelation says is bitter to my stomach. I preach a word which I may quake to speak as much as my listeners may quake to hear. It is a word which judges me even more severely than it does anyone else. It is a word which may at times discomfort you. I'm sorry about that. But you must understand that it discomforts me even more. It is a word which cannot be denied. Not because I wish to be cantankerous or controversial, but simply because this pulpit is not under my control. And furthermore, when I stand in this pulpit, I am not in control of myself. This pulpit is under the direct control of the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, when I stand in this pulpit, I am not my own. I think that's what it means to say we preach not ourselves. We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Oh, catch the significance of that phrase, please. Jesus Christ as Lord. Jesus, the name Jesus refers to a specific life and ministry lived around Paul's time 
for a few short years around 30 A.D. Jesus, the carpenter of Nazareth. Christ. The title Christ affirms that this one specific life, in fact, actually, fully, totally, completely, perfectly fulfills all of the hopes and all of the prophecies contained on the pages of the Old Testament. Christ, the Messiah. The word Lord is a greater appellation still. The word Lord declares that that one specific life and ministry is not limited to just one time and one place in history. The power of that life can be experienced not just back there and then, but also right here and now. That one specific life and ministry, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, stands supreme over the totality of the human existence and the totality of the human experience in every age. And therefore, when Paul preached Jesus Christ as Lord, he was declaring that this Jesus is not only the climax of all human history, not only the clue to all human hope, not only the comfort for all human hurt, but this Jesus is nothing less than the sovereign cosmic ruler of the whole universe. This Jesus is nothing less than the one and only Savior of the world. This Jesus is nothing less than the constant, consistent, controlling center of your whole life and mine. That's what it means to preach Jesus Christ as Lord. And therefore, any preacher who dares to preach Jesus Christ as Lord must always preach for a verdict. Every true sermon will contain a clear call and challenge to make a decision for Jesus Christ in life. Dear friends, you need to know, I am not here to deliver charismatic blessings or to dispense millennial visions. I am not here to influence legislation or to sell tapes and CDs. I am not here to play Democratic or Republican political games. I am not here to debate peripheral questions or to speculate on contemporary curiosities. I am here only, only, I am here only to preach Jesus Christ as Lord. So, 1,500 sermons later, some things have changed, but 1,500 sermons later, one thing has not changed. In the first sermon I preached, in the sermon I preach today, and in every sermon I have preached in between, the message is always the same. I preach Jesus Christ as Lord. Therefore, 
my beloved people, I do not ask you to like me. I do not ask you to like my style. But I do, most earnestly, I do ask you to love my Jesus. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Amen and amen.